You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Thanks for staying with me for the full hour. It's good to have you along. Libby returns later in the week. It is time once again to feel the burn. Zoomer Senator Bernie Sanders announced early this morning he is taking another shot at the Democratic nomination for U.S. president after losing to Hillary Clinton in 2016. Sanders enters the 2020 race as one of the front runners. Much different scenario for the Democratic Socialist, as he calls himself, who three years ago was viewed as a protest candidate from the political fringe. Today, Sanders is one of the most popular politicians among Democratic voters. He also has a following here in Canada. He had a sold-out event in the fall of 2017 at the University of Toronto, for example. It is early days, but it's a good time to size up the competition for the Democratic nomination. Joining us to discuss is U.S. journalist and conservative pundit Paul Paselli, who's been on Fight Back before. Welcome back, Paul. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you're traveling in the Hartford, Connecticut area, Paul is also morning co-host at WDRC-AM and a former colleague in the same market as our Neil Headley from Breakfast Radio. Yes, yes. the wonderful Neil Headley. Yes. He, he is indeed wonderful, absolutely. Yes. In fact, he introduced us uh, some time ago. So your reaction, surprised by Bernie or not so much? No, not really. This had been rumored uh, for ever since, uh, you know, he was defeated by Hillary Clinton last time. Uh, Bernie Sanders, as you mentioned, is, you know, is quite popular. He's he's popular in raw numbers with segments of the Democratic vote in this country. Um, he's very popular with young people, obviously. You saw this in 2016. Uh, from a strategic point of view, he did something incredibly uh, smart is he, he, um, he lined up a bunch of early and, and, and repeated um, appearances at colleges, at universities, uh, at areas that he knew uh, that his message of, you know, free or highly discounted college or free or highly discounted medical care and a tax on the super wealthy, you know, he knew that would go over well. Uh, he's a senator from a very liberal state in Vermont, uh, a section of Vermont that, that's far to the left. So, yeah, he's, he's very popular with a segment of the Democratic Party, but a lot of mainstream, you know, what are referred to as centrist Democrats, who a dwindling number right now, are, are pretty uncomfortable with him. What did you think about the way that he launched his campaign this morning? He was pretty nasty about Donald Trump. Does that uh, play into his overall strategy? Is that something we could expect to hear from him? Or was that a little bit over the top just to harness the anger in the U.S. against Donald Trump? No, that's 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 how any Democrat. Well, let me step back on that. That's how a lot of Democrats think you have to run against President Trump. Uh, look, despite all the missteps uh, that he's had and the controversies, you know, a few polls came out last week and again show the president that you know, 44 to 48 percent, which is about where previous presidents are. So, you know, for the Democrats. Um, Turnout means everything. Getting especially black, Hispanic, and uh, women voters, female voters to turn out. And that's why you're going to see the rhetoric really whipped up on the Democratic side here. However, 
I think the guy that bears a little listening to, even if he can't win, um, is Howard Schultz, uh, the former Starbucks CEO, who you may have seen has come out and wasted little time. He hasn't really decided definitely whether he's running or not, but notice how he's been telling uh, Democrats, uh, you can't go nasty far left and win. And it's going to be interesting to see if there are any centrist Democrats brave enough to speak out and and try and mute this hard left, uh, high taxation, uh, a loosening of immigration policies type of message that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and other folks have. Understanding you're coming at this from a conservative perspective, uh, respectfully, uh, just to remind our listeners that Paul Paselli is a conservative commentator, so um, your views are skewed somewhat towards uh, uh, President Trump, which I understand. Uh, let's talk about, and you mentioned one candidate who might run. What about Joe Biden? Well, you see, and, and, and let me... I am a conservative, but I also grew up, you know, I'm in my late 50s, and I grew up when the Democratic Party had a far different tone, and the gap between the two parties was nowhere like it is now. And let me lead into your Biden uh, example there. If you saw there was a poll um, that came out of Iowa, I think last week or the week before, um, where they polled likely Democratic caucus goers in Iowa. And Joe Biden, uh, he was the winner among a bunch of stated Democratic candidates. And he also ended up beating President uh, Trump hypothetically by, you know, two, three, four points. It's so early. But here's the broader point. It's Joe Biden's um, tenor, his message that a lot of Democrats really think is needed in their party, and I do as well. Um, Whether he runs is going to be a big deal. And the thing, you know, you're getting reports here that he's 90% sure, 95% sure he's going to run. As with Bernie Sanders, as with a lot of these other candidates, the age question is going to come in here. You know, Donald Trump's in his early 70s. Um, around election time, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden would both be in their late 70s. Yes. Well, that speaks to the whole Zoomer philosophy coined by Moses Neimer, our founder here uh, yeah. uh, for Zoomer Media, that you know a lot of these older people are... I'm, they're going for so much longer. I mean, it's not out of the question for a lot of people to make it to 100 now. So effectively, yeah. you're still two-thirds of the way through your career in your late 70s. So we could be seeing a whole lot more of this. Oh, oh yeah. And, and that's kind of where the schism is a little bit. Not so much. There's a little bit of a schism in, in, in the Democratic Party where you have older, more traditional, you know, JFK uh, Bill Clinton kind of Democrats who were in their late 60s and early 70s, like a Joe Biden or like an Ed Rendell out of Pennsylvania or many centrist members of the Senate. And they're really getting pushed to the side here, pushed leftward by, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, the other new congressman there out of Minnesota. So the, the, the sideshow here, the side battle is really what's going on with the Democratic Party. You know, America's never really had a real far-left progressive party like you find, say, uh, in England and other countries. And, you know, I'm wondering in the next few years, will there be a schism among Democrats? 
And and the possibility of a third party, is that what you're suggesting, or just a, a bit of an identity crisis? You know, it's, it's at least an identity crisis right now. Um, there's always been talk of a major third party here in the States. And, you know, looking five, ten years down the line, I'm wondering if it really might happen. When you read about the internal battles that go on in the Democratic Party, Republicans are kind of homogenous. You have a couple on the far right, a couple of what are termed country club Republicans on the far left, but most of them, you know, the Marco Rubios, the Ted Cruz's, the Nikki Haley's, uh, you know, the uh, other mainline Republicans, they're kind of in the middle. But this battle on the Democratic Party side, uh, as, as let me refer back to you, you know, as being warned about by people like Howard Schultz and even uh, former Mayor Michael Bloomberg in New York, it's really turning into a fascinating watch. For the newsies who are listening, I mean, we all admit to watching a little bit of CNN up here in Canada. So we're we're in tune with what's happening, maybe not so much with the Democratic nomination, but you've likely at least seen Elizabeth Warren out there talking. Now you're hearing about Bernie Sanders. Uh, there's this uh, Kamala Harris, who's the California senator, who's been somewhat vocal in recent weeks. So as a Canadian, is this starting to resonate with you? Do you see any real competition for Donald Trump? Trump in 2020. We do have a few minutes to take calls, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Commentator Paul Paselli on the line with us from Hartford, Connecticut. What about those people that I mentioned? Uh, Because those are household names for us even in Canada. Let's start with Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren, I think, really damaged herself the whole Native American thing. I mean, she just did. And the whole thing about, um, you know, having to come out and apologize. And now you saw they found her her Texas estate bar card uh, that was posted on some websites. And she said she was Native American. And then she had to backtrack and say, well, it was always what my mother told me. You know, I, I, she she's got a real hole to dig out of. Know who I do think, though, on that list that you mentioned, who I think will be, and I said this the day after she was elected, remember being on the air the day after she was elected, I think Kamala Harris will be the vice presidential nomination, uh, and, nominee you had. And what do you yeah, see in her that uh, provides some promise uh, to being successful? Well, she is from a thickly blue state. Um, California has also, I believe, moved the date of their primary up further to help her get a big bunch of, uh, of, uh, of uh, delegates there. Um, she, ha- she was instantly dubbed the female Obama. Uh, legal background, relatively young, in her early 50s, um, uh, uh, progressive on some issues, little tough on law, she's a former prosecutor, um, but you just look at her and you say, from a political point of view, she checks off all the boxes. And can I, can I just add to that? She has sure. the likability factor that Hillary Clinton was missing. Precisely. Bullseye. Uh, she is seen as more likable. Oh, that is so big in American politics. You have no idea. Um, she checks off all the boxes. Female vote. Uh, black, Hispanic. She's multi-ethnic. Uh, she has a law enforcement background, which, surprisingly, she's getting a little 
flack for now when she was a prosecutor, I really think she's going to end up as the VP candidate because they need to balance tickets. Paul, we are I, how many months before the actual election? It's 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 the better part of two years, right? Um, yeah, but but don't don't forget the debates because the yes. field is so big. These debates, I think, are going to start in May or June already. Well, and and give us Canadians remind us of how this plays out leading up until November twenty twenty. Yeah, what, what, what's going to happen is because there, is go, there are going to be likely even more candidates, what they have mapped out roughly from what I read was a set of what will likely be 12 debates, six from June to the end of this year, then another six from beginning 2020 up until about June right before the conventions. And I believe, I believe they're going to do something akin to what the Republicans did with, you know, start out with the second-tier debate, kind of the kids' table, you know, with Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yes. You start at the, the second-tier debate, and then on the same night you have a debate with the other candidates who are ranking higher in popularity and in possible uh, uh, Democrat favorability, and then they're going to try and, you know, weed out the, uh, weed that out. But no, we're, 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 we're only a few months away from this, believe it or not. I know it comes up quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. And, and, yeah, you know, the U.S. right now, is we're pretty much always in an election cycle. And you know what? President Trump has said, you know, bring it on. He said he's ready. Um, I think the big determiner here, one of the big determiners, obviously, is going to be what's in the Mueller report. And I think what you see Democrats doing here now, being against the possibility that the Mueller report might not be all that damaging, is they have announced a set of their own independent investigations. So what the Democrats want to do is at least keep the aura, the veil of uh, corruption around the president as long as they can. It's a good strategy. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Oh, absolutely. Hey, it's great. I'd love to come back. Thank you. All right. Paul Pacelli, U.S. journalist, conservative pundit, and morning co-host at WDRC-AM in Hartford, Connecticut. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 